Because it's that time of the year, Sheriff. Yeah, Christmas. When people go off the deep end. Yeah, you know why. Because they spend too much, and they drink too much, and they eat too much, and they think too much. And they look around at all that fake fun and happy laughter, and they go, where the fuck is my cup of joy, huh? Where's my figgy pudding? Where's my stocking full of gifts? Where's my Calvin Klein underwear, my cable TV, my replica Tim Tebow NFL jersey? Where's my fancy cologne? Where's my gift wrap Norman Rockwell wife? Huh? And my beautiful, happy, smiling children. Where? Nowhere. Where are my friends? My beaming friends who worship the fucking ground I walk on because I've had an awesome fucking year, man. And it doesn't take much to put people over the edge. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Just a dirty look. Or a bad word. Yeah. Or TV too loud. Or some asshole behind you leaning on his horn. Ring, ring, it's a telemarketer. Give me money for Haiti. Or the Democrats or National Suck My Dick Week. It's the most wonderful fucking time of the year. This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 418. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we're kicking off a brand new Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. You guys chose it, so we're doing it. This is Listener Month, December's Russian Roulette franchise retro looking at the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. Six movies, six hosts, three episodes, 20 odd days to get through it. Peace of Piss. On this episode, we'll be covering the first two movies, Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. My guests will be Gary Hill on the first one and David Garrett Jr. on the second. Ooh. <laughs> now, I'll just put my cards on the table. This is a franchise that I'm woefully underprepared for and that I'd seen the first one and I'd seen the remake. Yes, there is a remake. It'll be the last movie we're doing. And that was it. I am fully aware that there has been a... A hustle in the old hedgerow of uh, people that have been kind of promoting, I'm assuming tongue-in-cheek, part two as some sort of like lost gem. We're going to get to that in this episode. Those people can eat a bag of dicks. Um, that movie is not good. <laughs> I'll tell you why when we get to it. But I'm genuinely excited about this one because like I say, on this franchise, I'd seen two of the four movies. Uh, so, sorry, two of the six movies. So four movies I'd never seen before. So very excited to see where the franchise goes. And I've been afforded the best hosts for this one. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun. So that's where we are today with this. Now, we are in the first full week of December, which means there is tons of stuff already happening. This is your month. You control it. You already know that because... On Monday, you had your dream double bill. Myself and Jamie G. Salmon sat down and looked at 
which board and which house. Two movies that were first time watches and two movies that sucked. Um, I can't remember who suggested that, but clearly you wanted me in misery. Um, so yeah, this is the second episode of the week on Thursday. So that's tomorrow. You'll be getting a little bonus episode to twist and tweak those nipples. And then on Sunday, 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 by God, get yourself ready. Get in the fetal position. Clear a day. Uh, yeah, we're bringing you this year's director's conversation. Myself, Doug Tilly, Bo Ransdell, the full filmography of Michael Mann that'll be dropping on Sunday for you guys. And uh, to say I am excited to give you that recording is a fucking understatement. So yeah, on the Teapots Collective this week, you should be getting, if all my plans go according to plan, that makes sense, you should be getting the next instalment and season finale of Opera Omnia on Alex Garland. Myself and GP will have sat down and recorded for you a little conversation on the movie Men. That's you fully caught up. There's so much content coming this month, I can't stress it enough. And once again, let me flag up, I'll be doing it on every episode. Podcast Under the Stairs will close its doors this year, as will the Teapots Collective on Saturday the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, where both uh, feeds will go dark for two weeks. So there we are. Will we get into this? I kind of feel like we have to get into this. I'm going to take a very short break just now. Ladies and gents, you are going to hear some promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the little sounder for the Russian Roulette franchise Retro. You're also going to hear the trailer for our movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. The first one in this six-part series. I'll be joined with Gary Hill. We'll be doing it right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Welcome back, ladies and gents. 
So yeah, let's do this, shall we? This is kicking off a brand new Russian roulette franchise retrospective. We're doing it on the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. All six of these movies rolling in here. You guys selected it in the polls and we are bringing it to you. Up first is, of course, the original, the OG Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. My guests, whose name was drawn out the hat, and yeah, I think he called it, he said that he got a softball. Maybe he has, I don't know. It is, of course, my good buddy Gary Hill. How are you doing, Gary? Oh, I'm fine. I'm here to talk about this killer Santa movie or whatnot. You know, I sound so disappointed, but <laughs> I, I find 3, 4, and 5 way more fascinating to me. I, I, that's a uh, Right, right, right. Like it's because like JP has like fully warned me that the third one's the worst one, but he also told me that he thought the second one was great, and I really didn't like that second one. So I don't know if that means I'll like the third one. Question mark. Well, this one is straightforward as far as like the where it goes. Yep. Those ones you're looking for context and what's going on. Right. And that that makes it way more fun for me. I don't know why. (laughs) <laughs> it's easier to lose your way. Um, well, well, let's get let, let's get into this then because we've got some details about this movie. You know, I love to ask four questions on the old uh, Russian roulettes, so we, we like to keep it nice and breezy. Uh, but let's let's uh, let's get into it. So this is Silent Night, Deadly Night from the year 1984. It was, of course, directed by Charles E. Seller Jr. Um, based on the story by Michael Hickley and Paul. Cami, I think that's how you pronounce that, probably isn't. Uh, stars uh, Lillivan Chauvin, maybe, uh, Gilmer McCormick, uh, Tony Nero, Robert Brian Wilson, uh, Britt Leach, Nancy Borgenicht, potentially, uh, H.E.D. Redford, um, Danny Wagner, uh, we have Linnea Quigley, obviously, uh, Leo Getter, and there are some other folks in here, uh, including Will Hare, who plays creepy Santa, Santa hating grandpa, um, which is always a, always a joy to behold. Uh, the, the synopsis for this one is listed on the IMDb as Little Billy witnesses his parents getting killed by Santa after being warned by his senile grandpa that Santa punishes those who are naughty. Now, Billy is 18 and out of the orphanage, and he has just become Santa himself. Uh, first question, I always kind of like to throw this out as a pre-question. Um, this is this a movie that you'd seen quite a lot growing up, or is this one that you came to kind of later on in life? It goes back to the video store, to where ah, this was nice. not one that was not readily on the shelf to, to say, hey, let's go rent this. So I, I saw part five first, because oh. that was the, the, for the first time I seen one of these on a shelf yeah. that stood out to me. And they were going to have this at my video store so I didn't see this till probably when the Anchor Bay DVD came out all the way probably yeah it was a while ago but it's still probably 20 years ago it was was a while ago though right right so well let's let's get into our uh, standard four questions here Gary question number one is what does Silent Night Deadly Night do well oh it plays Catholic guilt real well (laughs) all all over this movie (laughs) Because Billy is apparently thinking about sex constantly, mm-hmm. and he needs to be punished. And according to Mother Superior, 
who's I think stroked out in the second one. I hate to use that, that oh, term. Oh, dude! In the second but, one, um, she's like I've 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 recorded these out of order, but in the second one, she looks like she's been hit in the face with the the asthmatic medicine from it. Like like the battery acid, her face is all melted on one side for no reason that they even try and explain. No. Um, yeah, it, the, the 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 gore is done incredibly well. I mean, you get you get Linnea quickly on the antlers, a pre a pre uh, breast implant, Linnea quickly. I think. Mm-hmm. I think she shows them anyway. Most things graduation day, I think she shows them. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, in Savage Streets, that's not really a thank you movie because that 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 happens in that movie where she shows them, but she's being raped. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But still very free uh, in this movie, mm-hmm. you know. Let, 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 let the cat in, and then getting expunged on some antlers. Um, yeah, decapitation's cool. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It's it's one of the best. It should be a Christmas ornament. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> good luck explaining. <laughs> good luck explaining that to your in-laws. You know what? Linnea's on the tree, and I don't give a shit. How about that? You know. <laughs> See. This this is where I endorse Christmas. Do you make a Linnea Quigley on the antlers uh, yep. ornament? You know, this should be a thing already, people. All yeah, saying. it does make you wonder why Not there it. isn't one of these bespoke horror companies released uh, an ornament of that. Kind of feels like a no-brainer to me. I don't know. Um, you, you mentioned Britt Leach. Uh, yeah, he's the owner of the toy store in this movie. I love these in this movie because he shows up in like everything from the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. You, you you've seen his face. To multiple multiple things, um, Gary Wyatt's dad in Weird Science is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's just fun. It's, it's pretty straightforward, you know. Yeah, some trauma. The trauma gets woken up apparently to the point of I'm just going to go from I'm traumatized to murder like yeah. right, right away. Um, <laughs> and it, I, I love I love the switch, you know, and yeah. it uses the Christmas elements very well in this movie. It does. We have a, a strangulation with a strangulation with Christmas lights in this movie, and that's mm-hmm. uh it's it's just fun. It's a sledding death. It, it's 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 all it's it does everything right in in, in the, the the zone that it's in. Let's put it that way. Yeah, like um. What do you call it? The, the the Frosty the Snowman horror movie pretty much rips off that sledge death. Um, yep. So like they, they reuse that there. I'm I'm with you on this one. I think this is kind of the the blueprint of how you do a slasher Christmas movie. Like it's, it's surprisingly simple but like hugely effective. Um, it does kind of bog itself down a little bit with like the, the levels of trauma this child has to go through in order to like if i was him it would like i it wouldn't have taken a lady being raped in front of me to to trigger that it would have just been someone saying hi in the wrong cadence um you know like he, he really goes through the ringer there's a part of me that feels that it's it's maybe a dig at the movie that the 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 nun who genuinely is the one that seems to be forward enough thinking that this child has repressed trauma involving Christmas is the one that decides to get him a job at a toy store just before Christmas does feel a bit short-sighted. <laughs> and then it's surprised, like, you know, like, yeah, you can pack shelves in the back, but don't make them dress up like Santa. Um, it's, it's a bit of there, but I think you're right. I think it hits the right beats. It builds up in the right way. The deaths are all memorable um, and, and fit in the movie. They use that stuff surprisingly 
smart in a way where it, like it doesn't feel like we need to tick every box for everything that we need to represent Christmas as a death in here because you don't get like some of them are just like we mentioned before the antler death um are, are not necessarily Christmas themed but they're they're interspersed amongst deaths that have a kind of wintry feel to them which I think is really smart so it's not over egging it but it's smartly done and it's really well executed and I'll be honest with you I I like the portrayal of the the Billy character here I think he kind of has that wholesome look about him but he does like he does like as soon as you meet him he's got a kind of unhinged thing that's just behind the surface and a kind of almost dead behind the eyes sort of killer like vibe about him when he goes into his kill mode so I think they do that all really 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 well in a way where it kind of almost feels like they're punching a little bit above their weight and a little bit above their budget but I don't mind it um I I, I think that's done like really well I also think the pacing I don't know about you this movie every time I watch it fucking flies in yeah once once it goes it goes and I I, I gotta say that, that Billy I, I don't think he's over the top really in this movie mm -hmm. because He's behaving as such as a, a boy who's been targeted by Mother Superior for the past 10 years. Yeah. Because he's been targeted for the past 10 years by this, this horrible woman, you know, because he's the naughtiest one in the whole entire <laughs> home, apparently. <laughs> so the, the fact that he snaps is is not that not that implausible to me. You yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, it sets it up really, really well. Um, I, I mean... As, as a slight negative comment, the fact that she gets off scot-free at the end of this movie is kind of, kind of tragic. <laughs> she like, she, she slides she, at the end of this one, alright, um, considering she is the catalyst for, not the mega catalyst, but certainly didn't do this kid any favours for the longest fucking time. Like, sorry kid, your dad got, got shot and killed and your mother got possibly raped I'm not, I'm not sure if she ever was raped in this movie yeah. not that i'm arguing semantics she hear her <laughs> top ripped open yeah. you know but she he did cut her throat uh you know what billy you're fucked up but you know what i'm just gonna make you even more fucked up than you already are and you know yeah, there's clearly um, a bit as well where it, you know you can see that her idea of quote-unquote therapy isn't working like when he stands up and decks Santa, like <laughs> like fucking punches Santa in the face, that's the point. I'd be like, hmm, maybe we should try a different tact here. Maybe Jesus isn't working. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Just it's... yeah, yeah she, she she lives and and the deaf uh, father who's dressed as Santa Claus dies, and which I thought was a really <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> it was a really nice touch. Usually, you know, they say stop, stop, or I'm gonna shoot you. Yeah, but he's deaf, so yep. it works. Yeah. You know, not a lot of films where, where it works that way. Uh, I, I want to mention another film that works, you know, with esteem, you know, oh so well, especially in the toy store, um, is not not Sam Raimi, but Scott, Scott Spiegel's uh, Intruder. That's so right, yeah. If you've ever filmed ever done a show before, I'm not sure, but that's a slasher film in a grocery store, and yeah. it uses the box crusher. It uses everything in the grocery store for him to do these murders, and... It works in a way like this film works, and I, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, I think there's the, the bit where, like, I think if you're going to do that, if you're going to do something with a theme, I think it's important to kind of try and keep it on some level grounded, um, even though it's a kind of fantastical premise. I think that's where, and I'll obviously speak about a lot more when I, I chat with, with Lee uh, on the remake. For all the remake 
isn't a great movie. It's a ton of fun because it hits those elements right. Um, in a similar sort of way, there's death by Christmas tree lights, there's death by like freaking Christmas tree chipper. Um, and like it kind of it kind of acknowledges those things as elements that could be interesting deaths to use, but they're not the movie, if you know what I mean. So, and it's the same in here. Like at the core here, like we're following Billy. We're you know once Billy kicks, and it's, I suppose that's another thing the movie does in a kind of smart way is it kind of sets up all that stuff to make Billy a sympathetic character to the point that when he does make the turn and become a killer, we're kind of invested with him. We're with him in the movie now. We're going to go place to place with him and we're going to watch him, like, conduct anarchy. And when he dies, if you have a soul or a heart, you kind of feel sorry for him. Like, like, like the, the kid never got, a, a like, a break, really, at all. It, it was always, It was always going to kind of end up one way, shape or form in the way it does, and I think that's, I, I, I'm not, I'm sure there are better examples, but I can't think even by 84 standards, how many movies had went out the way in the slasher genre anyway, to really make you sympathise with your killer, um, there will be, there like I say, there definitely will be examples just by the sheer volume of slasher movies that were out by 84, but I can't think of many, like, that, that go down this road of spending essentially the first 25 minutes, setting up like like scenario after scenario of um you know like surviving the surviving the the, the bit we see now grandpa which is fucking amazing oh god so good <laughs> so, so fucking i i see i i i'll paint you a picture guys okay a little billy in like the bluest whitest person's sweater come to see grandpa at the home okay he's apple pie in a sweater basically he's, he's that apple, wholesome yes, yes indeed i mean and I would like to think, and this is the setup there, because Grandpa is all lucid and stuff. Yeah. That he told his constituents, his other old folks in the old folks' home, <laughs> like, watch what I do to this fucking kid. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he's lying about being lucid. He turns it on for the kid. And if you see the scene, you know exactly what we're talking oh, about. Yeah. But I would like to think he can turn it on and off at will and just, like, watch you fuck with this kid. It's, you know. it's so good it's so good and like because uh, it is like one of those the fact that he kind of looks a little bit like Santa <laughs> there's a, the camera the actual the camera work is excellent because it's like just this beautiful static shot of him you're just like listen here Billy um, the fact he's called Billy as well and I think every like every isn't that like the ongoing joke of every like kind of wholesome like kind of like TV commercial or whatever the kids always called billy you know listen here billy you know it's all it's always billy uh but i, I love that scene it's, it's so well kind of set up and then the fact he's in the car <laughs> he's clearly still fucking traumatized and they're like oh, you don't think you don't think grandpa said something to him do you, do you think your dad maybe i don't know well you know do you think we should phone and let the doctors know no i'm sure the kid will be all right um yeah i'm sure the kid will be all right flash forward 15 years he's got an axe and there's a woman impaled on a set of antlers um right let's let's pivot this then what does silent night deadly night not do well um i don't know some some soundtrack choices mm -hmm. oh the pe people people like that um that lighter side of the door song for some reason. I, I, I don't see it. It's it's like the worst montage ever filmed. It's just, it's it's just Billy movie boxes. That's all it's that's all it is. 
This, this is what Billy does. He's the ace stock boy. Yeah, this is freaking, you know, most vanilla, crappiest song you want to hear in your life. People are in love with this song. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. We're twinning right now. I, I, I don't get it either. It, it seems like it should be advertising Werther's Originals or something. <laughs> like it should not be in this movie. Uh, you don't know how to fair to fair. What are we doing here? Um, yeah, I, the soundtrack. It's not a, like a. It's not a overtly memorable one overall. Like the main kind of themes, kind of cool, but it's not one of those movies that you know, like I, like. I can't wait for this to come out in vinyl, which I'm sure it has, and I'm sure people have made that statement. It's just I am not one of them. So I, I'm kind of with you. I will say overall. I don't really have any it's a surprise because I really dug into the the kind of what can I criticize this movie on and the only thing that came up out with the now you've mentioned the soundtrack thing I'm going to piggyback on that but the only thing was that it is a movie that paints a character specifically as a villain the mother superior who does not get her comeuppance by the end of the movie and I think that's weird. Like, like even even by eighty four standards, even by slasher standards, if you're a bad person in a slasher movie, you die. It's kind of the it's kind of the law. Um, and she she scuts free uh, to traumatize another generation of children, no doubt. Um, which it feels weird that they did that. It's actually probably more realistic and true to life, but it's weird in a movie like this. So I, I don't know if I like that element about the movie. It doesn't ruin it or you're even create a blip for me but it's something that kind of feels against the grain of what the movie's doing overall well well much like grandpa you know in the side in, in the first one we um get burnt phase brother superior in the second one with those stories so i i i guess it's a positive in that way yeah well she but she survives the second one as well <laughs> it's like she freaking falls down a flight of stairs and then it's like like for all ricky's supposed to be an unstoppable unstoppable killing machine he seems to be able to kill everyone except a handicapped nun um which i don't know what that speaks to speaks to his prowess I, it's, a, it's a weird element like i say it doesn't ruin it for me at all um or even create that much friction it just like it just stands against the green but that is it that is like legitimately my only gripe with the movie i think it it does so much much better than it should like like on paper reading like this sort of script or even the, the, like the premise or how he even set up in, or the beats my eyes should roll in the back of my head just oh here yeah. we fucking go and it's, it never it's, does that it never it's does very that. it's very efficient for 84 minutes long it's oh definitely efficient. yeah it, it knows exactly what it needs to do it knows exactly what its audience attention span and it also knows what kind of story it's playing with um and it's like that ah, yeah this needs to be in and out so yeah i have i have very little here I will ask this question, though. This is a question I'm asking everyone, Gary. Our question number three is an important one. Um, as a Christmas horror movie, how effective is it, do you think? Because we're talking about it uses the it uses Christmas elements as weapons, obviously it's themed with Santa um, and all the rest. But in terms of if you're stacking it with... The, if you had a Mount Rushmore of um, kind of Christmas-themed horror movies, does a movie like Silent Night, Deadly Night make that? Oh, hundred percent. I, nice. I I think it, it it does it does everything you know in the in the right way. It has uh, the the Catholic guilt in there, the guilt in general of Christmas by saying if you're not a good boy or girl, yes. If you do naughty things, you're 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 not going to get any. Well, in this case, you die. Mm -hmm. You know, 
he's not gonna kill any children, you know, because he he gave he gave the girl the the wonderful <laughs> gift of the the bloody box cutter. Uh, <laughs> and she didn't even blink an eye. I I I, I give the MVP to the little girl who got the box cutter because you know what? Another little girl would be annoyed or terrified. Of a bloody box or not this girl she's going places okay she's going yeah. places <laughs> she's know. the fucking ceo of some ruthless fucking banking firm now and that that box cut that bloody box cutter is framed in a glass case like, at the end of our desk like this, this, this is when i decided i was going to conquer corporate america yeah <laughs> oh, no but it it, it, it it plays better than a lot of these these you know killers there's a lot of bad ones out there yeah i forget the one word like uh it's like a big police procedural just looking for santa clauses through most of it i i forget what that is Don't oh know, yeah that same yeah i watched it not that long ago what one of them but it, yeah this does this does exponentially better than that movie and I mean, there's other there's other Christmas ones too. Uh, Santa's sleigh, yeah. I think is a, a contender for for uh, this movie's uh, spot. If I watch it back to back, I couldn't decide what my favorite one is because yeah. they're just they're just as bonkers as the other one is. I'm and, uh, I'm, I'm wait. Okay. I think this is, I think this is kind of like like not the best, but it's top tier for me. I'd, I'd and the thing is, every time I watch, it, I enjoy it more. Um, and I think that's a, a testament to it. One, it's runtime. I think you're right. Like this runtime is a big selling point for this movie. You know, you can shove this on and sit back, and you, your ass isn't going to go numb watching it. Um, and there's going to be enough things happening on the screen that are going to, you know, keep your interest going. It's iconic deaths that are memorable. It's a memorable killer character. You get plenty of, once again, memorable characters along the way. You get a little bit of Linnea Quigley's boobies, uh, which ain't a bad thing, if you know what I mean. Um, and it's it, like, it, it, it does so, I think that's the thing, it does so much right without making like any egregious like missteps of well, what we're doing here or that death's one too far or whatever that I think that's what propels it there it's I, I think you maybe like kind of co-opt in some of what you've just said I think it's it's effectiveness is it simplicity and like it, it doesn't it doesn't try and complicate things it's like a, a very 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 simple story and in a lot of respects that should make it more difficult to execute well because it doesn't have anything to hide behind um, it's all on there so like genuinely if they make a misstep it should all kind of fall apart but it holds together and it is one that like I, I now enjoy watching every year I, I did, like I did come to this a bit later on very much like yourself and then there was a huge gap between my first viewing and my second viewing which was like a good couple of years ago now but it's got to that point that is it's one of those nice rotations um, so much so that I genuinely obviously watched it within the last week if I had to watch this again before Christmas I'd be fine with that you know like I genuinely wouldn't care I, I have I have that much fun with it and I think if you are talking about the best of that kind of quote-unquote Santa horrors or you know, you know Christmas themed horrors I do think it's worthy of that um, you were, I think you were saying in the the chat that um, have Screen Factory just put out a 4K UHD of this? Is that right, or they're about to? Uh, I know it's coming. I think yeah. maybe no, they're putting Black Christmas. I know for sure, but I'm not sure about this one yet. Yeah, yeah, because it feels like this one. Because even the even the Blu-ray, even the 2K looks like 
it looks really nice. The cinematography actually is really well done. Um, in this movie, that it converts really well. That kind of feels like we're only a matter of time before we we head that way as well. Um, Gary, you either have to take two positions here in our fourth question. You either have to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie and pick a scene in the movie to justify your stance. I'm gathering from what you're saying this is a recommend. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's a recommend. What um, would you What would you use to... If I'd never seen this before and you were like, Duncan, you need to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, what scene from the movie would you use to sell it to me? Oh, the... Um, well, the on the Antlers scene. Yes. Because I, I, yes. it's, it's probably the most... Because it, it's the most brutal of the scenes, in my opinion, because... He's slowly pushing her on mm. to the antlers. You know, it's not like a here. Let me, you know, chuck you on these antlers. You're gonna stick to it. You know, like so, like some white folks throwing axes at a party or something. <laughs> yeah. He slowly positions her in a way the way that he wants to. So it's almost like um, I'm looking for the word here. I don't even know, but um, it, it's 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 brutal and more brutal in that sense. Kind of like uh, you know, slash come before Halloween, where you know. Michael sticks the knife in Bob and pins him to the wall and he sort of stares at him like a child. You know, it's very intentional, you know, mm-hmm. the brutality of that scene. And I, I would recommend that um, to, to check out, if yep. you will. And uh, I'm going to start a Kickstarter. I know I know Linnea would, would, would uh, endorse this because I've met her a few times. We, we know her by, by our first names now, pretty much. And nice. uh, I would say, Linnea, how about, how about that Christmas ornament from Silent Night, Death and Night? It, it needs to be a thing. You know? It needs, it Boobs, needs Kimbo, to be a thing. Boobs akimbo on the antlers. It's going on the Christmas tree. It's gonna go on the it's gonna go on the, the, the thing, the, the the mantle right next to the elf on a shelf, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, just do it. Just do it, y'all. Oh, I love it, I love it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 100% recommend. I'll choose a slightly different scene because let's have two scenes, why not? Um, and we mentioned it earlier on. The grandpa scene at the beginning is fucking incredible. I, I do it every time I watch. I'm just like, I, I, like, like, the, like the idea of that backstory you're mentioning does make me smile as well. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's a, re- it's a hard recommend for me. I almost like kind of feel it should be mandatory viewing um, in the run-up. To your to your holiday celebrations. Um, let's talk grades though, right? So we're doing one through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. And five is loved it. Um, I'm gonna give this one a four point five out of five. Um, it's not quite the loved it kind of category standard for me, but there's so much in here. I think it's so close to, and I once again reiterate. Of the movies that I watched that are horror movies on the run-up to Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night is one of my favourites. So, yeah, 4.5 for me. What are you going to give it, Gary? Well, I'm with it with the 4.5. Just, Boom! It's, it's slightly flawed. It's not... I, I wouldn't even tell you what to take out. I couldn't yeah. even tell you, because it's all, it's all gravy, uh, as the Italians say. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 wonderful, uh, holiday fair. I... I don't know if I show this to my child quite yet because there's just some pretty. I mean, you see, you, you see knives going in, disemboweling somebody. Oh in yeah, this movie. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they'll be freaked out by that a little bit, depending on the kid. I don't judge kids if they want to watch something gross. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to yeah. show it to them. Yeah, I think why not, I think Winter could, Winter could probably Winter's watched those new those new Halloween movies, so she'd probably she'd probably think this is a bit tame. Um, but at the same time, though. I think I don't know. I think the I think what makes it maybe not kid worthy is all the the Catholic stuff 
actually. All that kind of, because there's an insinuation that something really, really bad's happening with that nun. Um, and it, like, you, it cuts away every time something bad's about to happen. Even people are dying, though. She, she feels no guilt in this whatsoever. Yeah. That's a that's a true Catholic right there. Okay, that's all I'll say. So the portrayal of that Mother Superior, she 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 was all she was she was gold, man. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, right, so that's so that's two four point fives for this movie. Gary, what you got coming up? You like you're still busy podcasting. You're still chipping away and doing stuff. So, what 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 can people check out and where can they check it out? I haven't done anything in a little bit. It's just uh, it's it's it's, it's a lot of reasons. It's not. Not the the job, but mm. um, it's it's my regular job making me tired. But I have some stuff that's stacked up, be unedited, and mm-hmm. I have some plans for December with my my with the beef crew and the Torchies crew, and um, find all that on the butcher shop feed. You could go look for it there. Um, it's just been slow. I don't yeah. know what to say, but I, I I can't be a I can't be a Renaissance man like. Doug. Okay, you're putting six shows out a week. I can't do it, man. Oh, trust but, me, I am ramping that back wait. next year. That is getting ramped back hard next year because I am feeling. Yeah, but, you, but you don't, you don't put, you don't put out enough. Apparently, somebody said in a, in a chat or something. Like, no, no, I got an email. That. I got an email from a from fucking some marketing company that was like that. You know, uh, we think we can help you with your output. And I was like, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Everyone will disagree with that statement, including me, because. Uh, I think I worked out, I put out, by that point, every second day I'd put out, like if you did the average, every second day there'd been an episode, so, and that's just that feed, that's not even all the other stuff I do, so I was like, thank you, fuck you, right, <laughs> let's move on, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I need unpaid interns that, that, that could, you know, do the most minorist <laughs> of editing that I put up so much for, you know. <laughs> oh man it's always a pleasure chatting to you my friend um ladies and gentlemen we've got a second movie to do in this one here it is silent night deadly night 2 i'll be joined by david garrett jr after this The nightmare began with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Need a ride, Santa Claus? Oh, no, not exactly. But it isn't over yet. In fact, the ultimate nightmare is about to begin all over again. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. All Ricky ever wanted was a little kindness. Very, very naughty. And all he ever got was pain. She was naughty. Now he wants revenge. And this time... Garbage day! He's going to get it. Step by step, weapon by weapon. Victim by victim. The terror's coming home, and he's all grown up. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. I've got a present for you! 
terrifying suspense shocker you've been waiting for. Last time it threw you. This time, it'll kill you. Silent Night Releasing Corporation presents Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So let's keep this uh, Russian roulette franchise rolling. Uh, we're going straight into the second one. This is Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Comes three years after the original. Um, and according to IMDb, it was rejected for certification. I would just say it's probably rejected as being a movie, but I don't want to give too much away here. <laughs> Joining me for this one here, his name was drawn out of the ball, and he was, I'm going to say there was a spring in his step. I'm not saying that's because he was overjoyed because of the movie choice, but maybe of the conversation it is my friend from the Journey of the Cinephile podcast. It was, of course, David Garrett Jr. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's going to be kind of an interesting conversation, like we were saying. <laughs> I get the feeling that that we could just copy and paste bits <laughs> of dialogue from my previous review into this one because this movie just copies and like it's egregious. Like we're going to get to it, but I did a bit of like I did a bit of time checking on this while watching it, and the first forty minutes of this movie is essentially like clips and rehash of that which i think might be a new record because i remember the uh, boogeyman 2 which no one should watch that movie it's not good uh boogeyman 2 pretty much reuses the first movie but i think it's only half an hour of footage that so this okay. one might have more which i mean is just mind blown anyway let's let's give some details and then we can get into our, uh, our thoughts overall and I can ask you some questions on this um, this one is directed by Lee Harry who also did the story for the movie uh, Lee Harry's probably more known for his editing work he's a I was going to say a prolific editor he did a lot of editing I don't know if the movies he edited were necessarily all that great um, although when you jump on his IMDb the Street Fighter movies there you know the Jean-Claude Van Damme one I was like oh shit he edited that no he technically worked on the editing department I never edited it um so yeah that's that's like that's that's like you being on a building site fetching the coffee but claiming that you built the building it's that right. sort of that's not that i'm taking pot shots well i am totally uh it's based on the characters by michael hinckley and paul cameo don't think that's how you pronounce that but that'll do for the purposes of this recording and uh, the movie stars eric freeman james newman elizabeth Catan. we've got gene miller uh, Daryl Gublu, uh, Brian Michael Henley, uh, Corin Gelfin, Michael Combati, Ken Whitechurch, Ron Moriarty, Frank Novak, and like to be honest, we're in the we're in the weeds now. Uh, oh, out right. with sorry, Sister Mary played by Nadja Wind. <laughs> There's a character called Rent a Cop, which is kind of amazing. Um, another one that's just purely loudmouth in theater. Yep. Um. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb. Is the now adult Ricky talks to a psychiatrist about how he became a murderer after his brother, um, which leads back to Mother Superior. This is after his brother Billy died in the first movie. So, um, right. Like before we before we start, like properly getting into the questions here. 
are you one of these people that watch this movie off the wave of the new attention roughly surrounding when Scream Factory put it out? I guess technically. Yeah. Because I know I had never watched the original one, but there was the theater that I'm a member at. They did the first one uh, probably like four or five like Christmases ago, like when mm. I first moved down to Columbus. So I remember seeing that one. So I was like, oh, I should probably watch the sequels, especially because I've always like as a kid would watch all these like franchises. So this is one that I had never seen. Yeah. So thankfully for me, the first time that I ever saw this one was probably right around the time that that Scream Factory one came out. I yeah. don't own it, but there was at least enough time between watching that first one and then watching this one where <laughs> I wasn't kind of how you did it, where watching them back to back and just how frustrating. Cause I, at the first time I watched it, I was like, this is literally a clip show. Yeah. And with just that little bit on there. Yeah. I thought like, cause JP, like JP, right. <laughs> who's going to be showing up on the next episode with the third movie, which he didn't want because he said the third one's the worst one. Which makes me wonder if I'm already thinking this is terrible, how bad that third <laughs> one's going to be. Um, but he was like, no, 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 it's a great movie. You just, you, the problem is you watch them back to back. And I'm just going to say, JP, you could divide this by about a year and my opinions would still be there. <laughs> like, there's nothing to do with this watching back to back because what all it does actually, if anything, is it shows that the first movie can be condensed into a 40 minute movie. Yeah. Um, that's that's really, that's really <laughs> all it shows. Um, it gives you the best highlights of that. Like my issues will come in the the form of what we're we're going to talk about here. Um, there's also uh, there was also some comments from some of the other participants, um, specifically around the eyebrows of of our mm. character Ricky here, which. How they clocked this, I don't know, but IMDb has that wonderful bit of trivia that says that his eyebrows move up to 130 times in this movie. So that seems a lot. Someone, yeah, it does. You strap a Fitbit to that. Um, <laughs> let's, get, let's get that measured. Um, yes, yeah, so this was a first-time watch for me. Like Most of these movies are going to be a first-time watch for me. I had seen the original. I'd seen the original a couple of times, actually. And I actually really like the original. It's right. kind of flawed as it is. It's very mm -hmm. much of its era. But like, it has a weirdness about it that I can kind of latch on to i think I, i'm trying to remember i think i've seen the remake about five times it's okay. the, like see when people are like talking about this one being cheesy and fun no 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 the remake yeah. is cheesy and fun the remake is like is fucking hilarious like absolutely cringy hilarious in all the best ways but we have to we have to we have to give it stays in court here and that's what we're gonna do david me and you and we're going to do that via four questions. You're you're more than familiar with these four questions because this yes. isn't your first time to the Christmas barbecue. Um, so <laughs> let's begin with the first question. I ask you, Mr. Garrett Jr., um, what, if anything, does Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 do well? Well, I mean, if you want to just get a quick recap, as you've already said, of the first one, I mean, I think this is great with giving you that little bit mm -hmm. but to kind of try to give this one a little bit of credit for something i actually don't mind what they're trying to do with the story from like the first one it's so a I logical step it's a logical right. step we've got uh right. instead of trying instead of bringing billy back which yeah. any other slasher would have done you know it wasn't really dead he was just right he was yeah. kind of dead um there you, you forget almost that there was another sibling in the car you also forget that that little kid that says something at the end of the first movie 
might actually be related to him because they never mention it in the first movie. So it's right. kind of it's a weird. It's not an egregious step at all. If anything, it's actually probably the most well thought out thing in this movie. Is <laughs> yes. yeah, he could be the brother. <laughs> So, I mean, not only that, but you're dealing with, like, same, like, genetic type thing. And then, I mean, seeing your brother killed in front of you, I mean, it's yep. probably going to scar you anyways. And then you also see the other Santa Claus die. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a little bit of issue with some of the things that I'll kind of get into a bit deeper. There's things that he remembers in this that <laughs> there's no way he could remember. He remembers I mean, the entire movie, which he wasn't there for. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I could at least still see that... He could have, I guess, some scarring from, I mean, there's, I'll give movie logic that as a baby, he might have trauma where somebody who looks like Santa Claus could be traumatizing to him, even as an adult now. Yeah, there's, there's, there are some people that are gently, even without like seeing your parents murdered in front of you, there are, (laughs) there are some people that don't like Santa Claus the same way that people don't like clowns. Um, and a clown doesn't have to murder your parent in front of you for you be like that. Uh -uh, Not doing clowns today. Um, like I don't mind. See, I don't mind that setup, and I also don't mind as a device tool. The kind of you know, my brother was like badly mistreated at this orphanage, and then we get like a like a like a couple of cuts, like Mm -hmm. the beginning of, of like Friday Part Three. You know, I mean, Friday mm-hmm. the Thirteenth Part Three, where we've got the, everyone's round the, the fucking campfire. Let me tell you a little story about a guy called Jason. Um, <laughs> and we get that, and that's that. We get, we get fucking. In the case of that one, we get like two movies condensed into what, like, right, a minute. Um, and this one here, it's just the pure volume mm-hmm. of the amount of flashback clips. And if it does anything right, is it actually shows you how well that movie holds up like yes. like those those clips really 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 are effective um and showing you what you kind of wanted to see from a, a movie like silent night deadly night a guy in a santa suit going around slashing people up and it delivers that it's it's issue and i don't want to step too far on the toes of what the movie doesn't do well <laughs> is that it just it, it, it doesn't know when to cut off and yes. what you get essentially in the movie is the ratio of new clips to old clips are almost 50-50, and that shouldn't be it. It should be a, a, at the most maybe 20% old stuff, 80% new stuff. So yes. um, that's a bit worrying. Uh, what else does mm-hmm. the movie do well? Come on, you, like, you're bound to have at least another thing in there. I mean, cause I know like I had heard about like the whole concept behind this is that the they hired the editor because they wanted to recut the original one to try to just resell it. And I guess he fought to do the filming of the new stuff. Cause I will yep. give him credit is the editing in this is great to cut mm-hmm. from the old stuff to going back and forth to the interview and everything yep. that he's doing for that first half of the movie. So, I mean, I will give credit that the editing I think is pretty well done here. And I mean, I, like I said, I also don't mind I mean, the whole killing spree that he goes on is just so outrageous. But I yep. mean, if they would have leaned into a bit more of that, I think I would even enjoyed just seeing this guy go on a like 24 hour, 18 hour rampage, something like that, where the cops just don't know who they're looking for. I think there's some good stuff there. We yep. just need more of that. Yeah, I think like 
once again, it's once again the character's killing spree is not a, right. It gets farcical, right? We'll get to that. Yes. But in principle, we get some like the umbrella death is ridiculous as it is. It's a cool visual. Yeah, it make a lick of sense, but it's a cool visual. Also, yeah. I'm fairly sure that's not how umbrellas work. But I yeah, might, I, I so. might be wrong on that one. But it's like, it's like once again, it's a cool visual. Um, yeah. So, like once again, that side of things, like rem- like context be damned and all the rest, mm-hmm. as psychopathic killers go, it it doesn't do anything bad there. You know, it, it does follow uh, a kind of ramping up es- escalation formula, which we've seen done many times before. Um, it gets a bit ridiculous, and that's where where my eyes didn't come back from rolling up past the back of my head. <laughs> but but we'll you know we'll, we'll we'll get to that as well. But yeah, like the the device of I'm being questioned by a psychiatrist or a police officer or a reporter or whatever it is mm-hmm. like as old as the uh, as, as cinema at this yeah. point when it comes to let me tell you how I you know, wait one second guys you want to know how I ended up here and you know we cut and then we get fun music and all the rest and we jump back and we see all that all that's fine and we we follow him through his life I, I'll be honest with you there are bits that concern me like Ricky at fifteen looks like he's I don't know, maybe working in a steel factory with that that <laughs> fucking five o'clock shadow on the face. Like he like he, he's he's wearing a kind of preppy school outfit, but yep. can clearly buy alcohol and prostitutes. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no one's asking for an ID. Is that's a little bit worrying. But I I suppose the thing that that you could counter with to an extent is the trigger so the try and reuse the trigger in this movie mm-hmm. so the specific thing that kicks off the killing spree is a guy manhandling and um, like tantamount to rape um on on you know a, a girl which triggers the memory that he has repressed of his mum dying at the hands of the killer right right, I, yep. I, right I, so it's the same which once again would be fine if he hadn't already killed yeah. Like one or two people beforehand. And I think that's maybe the bit where I was like, okay, so is he just a psychopathic killer? Or are things triggering him off? Or is this being is this out of order? Or cause he does it like he he snaps like once or twice. Specifically the guy with the umbrella, that is I mean, it's a guy manhandling another guy, and if that's enough to set him off. I'm sure they would have set up before that. But I don't want to pick holes. Don't want to pick. I'm not going to pick yeah. holes. Don't let me pick holes until we get to the bit that I can pick holes. Um, I'll say that it's mercifully short. Yes. Yeah. It's not a long movie, which once again um, will also be the argument against it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a short movie and it's over quick. So that's a positive to me. Like the idea of a sequel, which then adds 10, 15 minutes on at that runtime would you know that would not sit well with me i think we got everything we could out of the first movie in an hour and a half so we shouldn't be doing anymore um i don't have anything else good um i have so much bad things to say (laughs) do you have anything else you want to talk about in the positive i think that's about the extent of what i had as the positives as well (laughs) which i think it might be like a first for me being out here for that (laughs) right uh let's let's roll into 
Um, Dave, let me ask you, what does the movie not do well? I mean, I guess aside from the obvious that it's a Charlie Band clip show for the <laughs> first half of this movie. <laughs> kind of something I was thinking about while we were just talking as well is... I don't know if it's because I just check out and kind of just start watching scenes as they're kind of going on. I get so confused when we start to get to when Ricky and this one starts to kind of kill people because I get like, I just don't necessarily know what this scene, how it fits in with his life and where we're at with some of it where I'm just like, all right, so I'm just going to keep watching this as like a highlight reel of special effects right now. Yeah, the, the the trigger in this movie, the main trigger is supposed to be the is that the guy that he works for is being shaken down outside by a criminal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right, and I right, I can like the flashback he has is to the is it not like it's like the the murderous Santa from the first movie robbing yes. the liquor store. Which he would right. never have known about. So, right. Like, <laughs> that's even more, like, unbelievable than all the stuff that happened to his brother when he wasn't, like, in the same room in the orphanage. He flashes to that as a trigger point, which makes zero fucking sense. Um, right. And then they try and course correct it later on um, with this idea of, well, and it's actually the, the abuse of women that is the triggering point, which makes much more sense. So I don't understand yeah. why that killer's in there out with the reason you just mentioned because someone thought, wouldn't it be really cool to kill someone with a... You know, I've never seen anyone killed with an umbrella that opens. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, I, once again, I think that's a cool effect. Yes. But it, it doesn't make a... It doesn't... You know, the, the triggering for that. And then also, if in the previous movie, if he's just like his brother, as soon as that first kill happens, that's him. He's on his kill spree now. And this right. one, that's not his kill spree. We then have him kind of settling down with a girl and... Yep. You know, like living his life for a while, um, and then another event triggering him off in the cinema, which no one mentions, by the way, but it's insinuated that he kills someone in a packed cinema. Right, as they're watching <laughs> the original movie, is the scenes that we were watching. <laughs> yeah, like he goes, he go, he goes up the like we see a guy's legs dangle above a seat. And then he just, he's down beside his girlfriend, like a ninja, like stalking beside her, like a fucking absolute creep psycho. Um, And then we jump to the next bit, which is obviously this guy then hitting on his girl and the the rampage on the street. So yeah, like that that doesn't make any sense. That makes zero sense. Uh, Furthermore, on top of that, which, which doesn't make any sense is, when is this movie set? That's a great question. I... Like, like to me, like we're working off, we're working in the timeline, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> um, of events from the first movie. It's the what well, it must be either the late seventies or early eighties. By the time he is like his brother is like killing people, I think right. memory serves. Like we're in we're in the eighties by the time he's like at like working in the store, right. And then, yeah. but he was still a little kid. So we're now, what, in the 90s? And by the time we're in this one, we must be close to the 2000s. <laughs> right. So I'm like wholly confused by the t- like the time frame setting of this one is, once again, to, to use one that we just mentioned, is kind of almost Friday the 13th-esque and that I have not a clue. Plus, it's not set at Christmas. No. Is it? Like, none of that rampage happens at Christmas. 
Well, I also think that's the confusing part with a lot of these movies in the series is that these are supposed to be Christmas movies, yeah. but it does definitely feel like they start filming it all in like California where there yep. is no Christmas like feel to anything because there's no snow. Yeah. Even if there's not snow though, I see no, not a tree, not a decoration, not a Christmas song playing, nothing. That's true. It's not in here. So what, like, why is this? <laughs> why is it called Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? Um, if they, like, the, because we get a couple of those flash flashbacks. So like mm-hmm. a flashback, an Inception flashback, <laughs> the flashback within the flashback of yep. the original killer in the Santa outfit, killing. Um, but that doesn't appear to be what the trigger is. The trigger for him isn't Santa Claus. It's, it's you know, the as violence being perpetrated on someone else which causes him to kill, which doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Um, yep. Like, really doesn't make any sense. But yeah, like, it, was, like, it was glaring to me watching this. Like, the remake, which I'm going to get to in a, in, a, in a bit two weeks' time, which I do genuinely love for all the wrong reasons. It's a terrible, terrible movie. There's no snow in that one, but it is no. set in a town which is having a Santa convention. Yes. Right, so I'm like, it's quite obvious that it's set at Christmas time, even though there's snow, no snow on the ground. This one, it's not at all, even a little bit. Um, and that's a bit confusing to me. Unless, once again, like you're saying, we're moving away from that, which, once again, I'm, I'm cool with that in principle, but it's kind of want to kind of have its cake and, and, and eat it too. In that it's still linking all those, you know, Santa yeah. Claus was such a trigger to my brother and I'm so much like my brother. Um, and so that's a bit, that's a bit shit, if I'm being honest. Um, well, I mean, it's something easy you could do as well. Because, like, yeah. I mean, when he's going on his rampage in the street, you could just have at least, like, one of the houses you see in the background just have, I guess, Santa Claus out front yeah, and some lights guy, on the front of it. Yeah, the guy that's putting it, he's rubbing the garbage day thing which yeah, yeah. i know why people love it because it's silly but <laughs> yeah. at the same time if that's all you're seeing it's funny if you've watched what i had to watch through to get to that scene ain't <laughs> worth the payoff ain't worth the payoff folks but the guy that's putting these bins could be wearing a ugly christmas sweater right you know it's something anything anything at all but this to me feels like it's like set in summer like yeah. fucking the, the the dude that's hitting on his girl is wearing like a polo shirt. <laughs> what are we fucking doing here? What are we doing? Um, there's no Christmas music for Trigger or anything. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's surprisingly lazy. I'd like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself feel like if you felt like you were going to bring, but you wanted to do a sequel to a Christmas yep. horror movie, unless you are purposely moving it away, and thus informing the audience that you're purposely, you know, and those psychiatrists seems like, you know, it wasn't Santa that triggered me off, though. It was the way my mum was killed. You know, anything. The guy loves right. to talk. You just, a small line of dialogue, and it clears up, not confusion, but it just clears up the mess. Let's let's continue on about this. What is what is going on with Ricky? Why is Ricky the Terminator in this movie? <laughs> yeah. He, li- he has more upper body. Sh- he, won- he walks like Robocop. Which is kind of <laughs> hilarious, right? He's got his chest all puffed out and his arms are even further out like that. He's not a big guy, right? But he was like, like whenever he's walking all head was do 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 do. You know, like I was like, oh my god, like, your move, creep. And it, like, I, I, that's all it could keep going through because he walks like a robot. And the second thing is like, he physically when he, the guy with the <laughs> the guy with the umbrella, he lifts him and holds him up off the ground for. Yes. An unnormal amount of time. Now, you could argue, and I imagine there's people out there going, ha ha, 
But Billy does the same thing with the rapist in the back room where he strings him up with the, the, the lights. So it's the same thing. No. I'm not giving you that. I'm not. I'm not okay. giving you that. I'm not. I'm not giving you that. It's just silly. Like when we get to the point of him just walking up and down the street, like Robocop, like the fucking Terminator, um, with a gun, shooting people, like saying garbage day. Um, it's it's kind of, and actually that, if anything, is 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 anticlimactic. The reason it's anticlimactic is, like the kill before those scenes, he. <laughs> he physically eviscerated someone with an umbrella and they were just shooting people. That's yeah. not how slashers are supposed to work. The killer is supposed like the deaths are supposed to escalate, not in necessarily in number, but in in physicality, violence and, and gore. And this or one at least creativity. Really yes, or at least creativity. Shooting someone with a gun ain't creative. Um right. but that's the direction you go. And, and like the other thing is the movie is so so badly treading ground. Like we, yeah. like, like. Here's here's one of my favorite details. Why is the nun at the end of this movie, who's supposed to be the nun from the end of the first movie, right? Why does she look like Pennywise after he gets the <laughs> asthma inhaler sprayed in his face? I had forgot that that she does look deformed for some reason, and I, <laughs> I'm so confused the time around. <laughs> Because, like, she's unscathed at the end of the first movie. Right. Which, like, is a big issue for me because she is an abuser in that first movie and she gets off scot-free because she's a nun. And that's right. one of the flaws of the first movie. The first movie, like, this kid is not only traumatised, but then is brutalised at the hands of a Catholic fucking school, a Catholic orphanage, brutalises right. him, where a nun who's trying to do good puts him out to work in a shop just before Christmas... When she knows, knowing his issues <laughs> like, the, like she's the one that's like I, I'm, I'm rehashing things that I'm you know will have said in that review but it makes it makes zero fucking sense but and yes. this one here the nun does look like this is battery acid you slime um, <laughs> she does look like she's had a, like an inhaler sprayed in her face and her skin started to melt it's, the the reason it's there is it's clearly not the same actress oh yeah but what what <laughs> I was like what it's not stopped you in any other movie, that's really not stopped you. Like you would, like, what, what, why is that a concern here? Like no one's looking at continuity and that, going, you know what? That's not the same nun that was in the first movie. Like no one's fucking doing that. So I, or just like not have that nun, have it as a different nun. I don't, I don't get it. And then, <laughs> well, I mean, not only that, but we were kind uh, of like something you had brought up earlier is how long this is into the future. That lady was already old, so yeah, I mean, she'd just be dead. have an yeah. even older-looking lady if you're gonna, you know, have Grandpa from Texas Chainsaw be the one who yeah. he's now trying to kill here. His mother from Psycho, like he spins the wheelchair around, <laughs> and it's just a skeleton with a wig. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a lick of sense, like even a little bit. Because once again, if you're just playing loose, now I know the thing is though, I know the arguments against this. Is this a yeah. dumb slasher movie? And I. Yeah, maybe I am being overtly critical about this one, and maybe once again, JP's right. Because I watched that first movie and then rolled right into that second movie, I was carrying all that knowledge with me. But right. when you make a sequel to a movie, you are by design, especially nowadays, you are by design saying, you should watch these two movies together. Right. Like, I'm not aware of anyone who's like that. You know what? 
I have the Godfather trilogy. I'm going to watch that first one and maybe next year I'll sit and watch that second one. No one's fucking doing that. You roll right into it. Especially, and it's why I asked the question in our, our thing when we were drawing the names, I asked the question, like, do I need to, like, is there continuity here in between characters? Because if there's not continuity, then I can watch them, like, you can have those gaps in between. But this movie's basically saying, no, 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 this is what happened next. Right. So, I like, that movie has to stand up to criticism on, there's a movie before it that sets up this movie. So you have to watch that movie to watch this movie. Like, mm-hmm. no one is going and blindly watching this movie. Granted, the first 40 minutes all but null the existence of needing to see the first movie. Right. Um, but it still is, is designed that way. So that is, that's a shit argument, JP. I hope you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> if you're not, I'm going to tell you in the next episode. It's a shit argument because it's a continuation of the characters over and it's set right after the first movie. So that's the, your, your argument holds no water is what I would say to that. Kindly go and pound sand. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not, it's it like, so that doesn't, work and then yeah. what's his motivation here like so his motivation is she like because she killed well because she was behind his brother dying didn't kill his brother by the way um this nun distracted him long enough for a cop to shoot the brother in the back um he's gonna kill the nun surely he's gonna kill the cop I'd like, I was yeah. just, like, this stuff fucking fucks me in the ass, man, honestly. Like, it really, really, really does. It's just, it's, it's mind-numbingly fucking stupid. It's either the movie wants, like, the movie is trying to remake the first movie. If it is set at Christmas, <laughs> just set at Christmas, um, or he's trying to get revenge for his brother, and if he's trying to do that, why is he going after the nun? Yes, the nun abused right. his brother. Yes, he was there and saw these things, but... And he seems to be afraid of nuns as well, which is another thing that happens in this movie when there's just marauding fucking pack of nuns start pulling a Michael Myers hiding in between shop doors and all the rest. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, <"Doodaloo!" laughs> gone again. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? But, uh, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't like that at all, even a little bit. Um, I, 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 I actively, actively disliked that. And then, like... This dude is not a good actor. Like, no. the thing is, like, Billy isn't an exceptional actor, but for the role, he's great. Like, there's something yeah. kind of boy next door about the way he looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and he also brother, has that good build for it, too. Yeah, definitely. 100%. But, like, mm-hmm. Ricky in this one, Ricky might as well be, like, like Ricky goes through, like, the <laughs> 10 different looks in this movie. From, like, preppy schoolboy to like jock at one moment he's a greaser like from a fucking Stephen <laughs> King novel um, he's, and he walks he walks about like snake from fucking The Simpsons <laughs> alright <laughs> you're like I'm like what the fuck it's just <sighs> the movie just needs to behave um, and it obviously sets up all the way through this like what I love about this is this grizzled hardcore psychiatrist that sits down with this guy locked up for crimes that he must have known this guy committed like, you don't just get a psychiatrist and say, right, you're going up to the penitentiary to, like, sit down and chat to Ricky the killer and not say, what's he, what was he in for? Oh, no, we're, it's a surprise. <laughs> wait, wait, do you chat to him? Like, like this, like, well, this psychiatrist hears that he's killed one person and he's instantly sweating. 
And well, I'm not like, like that, but like, why would the guard just leave him in there without having him handcuffed? Because we clearly see that every time we cut yeah. back, Ricky's in a different part of the room, and then oh, we get dude. that weird like pop into the side of the screen, talking into his ear. <laughs> he appears at the side of his ear at one point, going like, "You still with me, Doc?" And I'm like, "Oh, fuck off!" Um, yeah, yeah. And then like, but. He manages to like, oh, and you can see it coming from the moment he sits down to say, "I'm gonna tell you my story," and you can take off the handcuffs and get the guard out of the room. From that moment, you know he's gonna kill the psychiatrist, right? So right. that's that's a given. So we're working on it. I just feel the whole "let's go after the nun" thing feels anticlimactic, primarily because Ricky has proved himself to be quite formidable against a fucking mafioso guy. Um, right. loads of people on the street including, including a young virile former lover of his uh, his girlfriend but can't take down the nun on a wheelchair like really struggles with that apparently that's his Achilles heel um, like he's like, like can't take on a nun um, I just love the idea that God intercepted like the power of Christ compelled him to not <laughs> kill her um, and she is for, for someone her age she falls down a flight of stairs and then bounces right up into a backup wheelchair yeah. <laughs> and she's just like rolling um, it's, it's just silly it's, it's silly but it, like to me it's not I suppose to me it wasn't entertainingly silly, which I think it is for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's what allows them to kind of be like, this movie's fucking great. Like to me, I watched it and I was like, no, this is not good. It's not <laughs> it's not good at all. And like cynically, this is a cynical sequel. This is the very definition of a cynical sequel because it doesn't have enough material to yeah, make its yeah. runtime. It has to essentially borrow 40 minutes. Um, and our spurs with some ropey dialogue, uh, but has to borrow that from the original movie in order to meet its runtime and exist. So, yeah. at that point, it kind of loses me straight away. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always going to have that uphill battle with me, and and yeah, it is not good. His acting is terrible. He's he's a, he's an absolutely awful actor, um, and. I don't know if he ever worked again. I'm kind of hoping he didn't. Um, I don't think so, because I feel like I looked him up. I think he kind of, like, disappeared for a long time. Yeah, of shame. I, yeah. <laughs> probably, I mean, not to sit there and just keep burying him, but, like, yeah, it's... I almost feel like they should have did what they did with the first one, because, like, in that one, he doesn't have much personality. So I yeah. almost feel like they should have leaned into that, but, I mean, I guess if you don't have enough to kind of make your own movie you got to try to find ways to kind of pad things out when you can or make this a comedy yeah or that's like to me it feels yeah it feels it's leaning that like there's always a great example i use of a terrible sequel that at least knew before it started it was going to be a terrible sequel so as a result its tone was that of a terrible dark comedy and that's the american cycle too Oh yeah, movie. Which, like, from the moment that movie starts, it's uh, it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy, and they know it's like everyone involved in that project did not want to be on that project. Um, <laughs> even William Shatner, who will do anything, right? right. Like, knew, like they didn't want to be on that. So they, they kind of almost as the weird. It's like a weird thing I respect about that movie, even though it's terrible. Is like the the turn it into a comedy like that you know this is the script is laughable what we're doing is laughable so let's make the movie laughable um and that, that kind of feels like that's what they were missing here like anyone that tells me no this the tone of this movie is deliberate is lying 
<laughs> like well, this is, they were trying to make a serious movie, right? And it's, yeah. it, it, that's why it falls apart. And sometimes that works to a movie's charm um, and makes it like infinitely entertaining, but did not do that for me. And I, if, it, if it did for you, great. I like, said many times before, I don't like the idea of being the bastion or gatekeeper for, for taste and humour in movies. Right. Like, if you find it enjoyable, fucking good for you. Um, I found it not enjoyable <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't wait for it to finish and then it finished and I, I kind of sat in a kind of weird silence for about five minutes trying to digest what I'd just watched and then came to the conclusion that I feel like we've picked the wrong franchise to go through <laughs> at least I know I, I, I like and can tolerate at least two of the movies in the franchise but I'll be honest, I'm I'm starting to get the fear. Although I think Yuzna does one. I think Brian Yuzna did the fourth one. Which, yes. Yes, which yeah. will, like, just purely on that will be interesting because I happen to be a bit of a mark for Brian Yuzna. Even even these terrible movies have a quality about them that I really enjoy. Right. But yeah, this is this is just utter, <laughs> utter shit. Um, is there anything on the bad column before I, I, I wing you to what should be a really easy question, which I think we've answered four times over by now, but anything else you want to say about it? I don't think so. I think if anything would be just me, you know, continuing to kick <laughs> this while it's down. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, this, this question has been tailored for this series. Um... And it's, it's quite simply, in the franchise which sets itself as premise for Christmas, how good is this movie as a Christmas horror movie? I mean, as we were talking about, it's not good at all. No. Because the only <laughs> things with Christmas involved in it are all of the old footage because none of the new stuff has any of that. So I feel like it fails there, like, completely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Like, like once again, this is a, a series of movies where the central premise and naming convention of said movies is based around Christmas. It's a Christmas right. horror movie. Uh, this is a sequel to a Christmas horror movie, which I'm not saying they all have to be set in Christmas, but uh, that's how they will be judged here. And yeah, on that level, it totally fucking fails. It's not evident at any point what year we're in. Um, <laughs> what year is it? Um, or or if, if, if it's even set at Christmas. Things that, believe it or not, are really really easy to do in film all you do is you give us a year in the bottom corner um yeah. or in the middle of the screen and just play a fucking free to use christmas song a christmas carol over a section so we know it's at least at christmas um, i mean it's not like there's not a bunch of them that are all been <laughs> written long before there was like copyright laws that you could just slide in here somewhere of course of course <laughs> it's just as unbelievable so yeah on that level it fails um however this could get quite interesting here uh, question number four is about recommending or not recommending this movie david garrett you, you you had some positive things to say so it makes me wonder where you'll land on this one you either have to take the position of recommending or not recommending this movie and picking a scene from the movie to back it up where are you coming in on silent night deadly night 2 well the only thing i would say is i'm not going to recommend it personally just because i'm kind of fall closer to you with this one mm. where i don't care for it i would say if you 
the good thing for this one, I do agree with JP to an extent that if you want to get a recap of the first one, this is great for kind of getting a crash course with it. So, I mean, I would say that would be the way that I would say to recommend it. I mean, for me, though, that's also kind of the negative I have is that watching this movie, the first half of it is literally just a recap and <laughs> I, I check out by that time. So that's kind of where I would be is that, and I mean, and the other negatives to be with that, uh, the new stuff just doesn't necessarily have enough correlation to itself to make enough sense to give too much more of a story for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think you're, I think you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head. I, I wouldn't recommend this movie. I think, the the stuff that is extra to this movie is is not worth the journey of watching this movie. And like I say, right. its biggest crime is that it actually makes you think at the end of it, why was Silent Night Deadly Night as long as it was? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I think it made this movie a nice crisp forty and been done. Um, yeah, I'd, I I I like I didn't hate it. My grade will reflect that I didn't hate mm-hmm. it. But I couldn't in any way, shape, or form, in good conscience, say I liked this movie. I, I didn't. Right. I didn't. If it entertains you, amazing. I'm I'm over the moon for you out there. To me, I will most likely, unless I'm asked to do it somewhere and I can't refuse it, I will most likely never watch this movie again. I, like this is one of these kind of just I and the other one that's the weird thing about it that original movie I would totally watch that movie again I would actually watch it next week and I don't love it by any stretch yeah. of the imagination but I think as horror slashers go that are set at Christmas time it's it's up there for me it's one of the better ones I don't think there are yes. many that do it really really well but it's agreed it's simplicity is that you know it, it doesn't give you too much so as such you can't really fault on what it does so mm-hmm. yeah i think I, yeah i would never recommend this movie um so uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk grades um it's one through five one is hated it two is didn't like it three is liked it four is really liked it five is loved it i'll be honest it's a two i didn't like this movie um i'm giving myself a bit of room because three is apparently worse. <laughs> so I want to be able to drop down to a, a, a 1.5 or a 1 on those movies. I didn't hate it. He is like, it really is like movies need to do something like movies need to like have sex with my wife in front of me um, (laughs) in order to get like a really really like a one or below uh this movie did not do that so it's just it's just a total waste of time um and i didn't like it so it's a two for me uh david what one are you giving this from the the selected grades it's actually funny is i'm actually coming in at a two as well because pretty much i mean dead on with what you said is that there's some good elements to this. And if they would have actually focused on those and were able to develop it, I think this could have been much better. Cause I mean, you have a good potential built-in story right there, but the problem is just like, I just don't like it when the better parts of your movie are <laughs> the best from the scenes. First movie. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it, it's hard for me to hate this movie because those scenes are so good. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's a, there's a cardinal sin in movie making where like you never reference a movie that's better than your movie um (laughs) or or never show clips from them like it's like there's nothing worse than when you're watching a a, like a like a a relatively badly made horror movie and then like a character walks in like a room and they're passing the tv and jaws is on 
right. and you're like that. Oh, Jaws! <laughs> I'd much rather be watching Jaws. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the the amount, and it's like if it was just one or two clips, fine. But yeah, it's it's like thirty five minutes of the movie, man. Yep. <laughs> it's <just> fucking <laughs> insane, insane. Like I say, if you ever if you ever get the chance, don't do it. But if you ever get the chance, um. Revenge of the Boogeyman, which is the second Boogeyman movie, okay. it, but it does it all the way throughout the movie. It's not like <laughs> they condense it to the first half. Like you're still seeing bits from that first movie well into the hour mark, and you're like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" <laughs> like it's just like, do you use that clip again? Um, so as, the only as one not- worse than this that I've seen do it is puppet master legacy where that movie literally has five minutes of new footage and is just recapping every movie up to that point i'm like yeah. charlie band you man you yeah you got it all figured out he has he has and he's got his own <laughs> streaming service the reason i know he has his own streaming service is that i had to basically use his streaming service in order to watch um a movie that has already been covered by the time this episode drops out this week uh called witch house um oh. which was Fucking awful. Um, I saw the poster. <laughs> oh, dude, like, the, the poster is high art compared to the movie. Um, it, it's like a, it's like I, I described it on Facebook as as like it made me think in contrast because the movie was made in '99 as well. Um, yeah. It made me think in contrast that maybe the effects, the acting, and the stories in an episode of Charmed weren't as bad as I originally thought they were. <laughs> and I actually made them feel like a Marvel movie. Like, this is actually quite high concept, high art here, motherfuckers. Um, is that bad? Is that bad? Um, and I can't remember who who suggested that, but everyone that voted for that should feel ashamed of themselves. Um, I, I, in a way, I'm kind of glad that I'm taking this franchise off the list, though. And yeah. to do that, you have to go through these movies as they are uh, David you're a busy guy you've got podcasts out there you do some writing and stuff let the listeners out there know where they can check out your stuff buddy perfect yeah um, you can find everything that I do on my blog which is horrorreview.webnode.com I have tabs on there for all the written reviews as well as the podcasts and everything like that just to make it easier to find and my podcast is Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast, which should be available on all podcatchers as far as I know at this time. Amazing, amazing. As always, thank you very much for giving up your time, jumping across and uh, and doing the Lord's work going through these franchises with me. I do. I, I love it when we get a chance to sit down and chat and, and um <laughs> and maybe that like I, I mean you were you were on a you were on a roll with the movie selections yeah and that's, that's why i told my wife finally yeah. came to uh finally ran into that wall <laughs> if, if 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 the wall you ran into is only this movie you're still doing relatively well that's true <laughs> there are movies in some of the franchises that you've been on thus far that are worse than this so you, you you've, you've, you've you're still kind of okay um yep. but like, we'll, we'll never we'll never risk it just in case <laughs> you never see it out loud because you know what happened. You can get That's cursed true. real fast, real fast. Well, ladies and gents, I'm going to take my final break of this episode. When I come back, I'm closing out this show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 418. This is the kickoff of a three-part series of a Russian roulette franchise retro themed 
for Silent Night, Deadly Night. First two movies in the bag. The next episode will be dropping in just over a week's time and we'll be covering parts three and four respectively. Big thanks to Gary Hill and David Garrett Jr. for joining me on this episode. As always, there's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. Wherever you're listening is right now, hit subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Do not stop there though, I want you to subscribe to our sister feed, the Teapot's Collective. Over there you get shows like Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty and Chronicle as well. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. Alternatively, you can visit our website. It's teaputzcast.com. Links to all our shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts, the Bizby's Banner Entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil. Please, please, please check it out. That show will be coming back real soon because we've got so many stories. We had to take months off to recharge our regrettable life decisions just in order to entertain all y'all out there. So, Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts exclusively available at teaputzcast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to chat to me over there, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputzcast gets you the podcast under the stairs. Facebook.com forward slash teaputzcast gets you the teaputz collective, a page where I post every episode of every show I'm on. And then lastly, if you like your internet weird, then it's the Jaws' Shite Facebook group page that's screaming out for you. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. For those that are too cool for school on Facebook and would much rather use the Instas or the Twitters, the twin prongs of social media sexiness at TeapotsCast will reach both myself and the Baz. The podcast Under the Stairs returns for you tomorrow with a brand new bonus episode dropping your way. So until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.